Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 602 for the 22nd of July, 2018. This week, with a variety of free office suites available, is sticking with Microsoft's $100 per year offering the right choice? Let's look at the history of suites and, and consider what's available now. In short circuits, to avoid installing a virus accidentally, it's a good idea to do more than just depend on an antivirus application. Even Linux users need to start taking malware seriously. We'll examine why that is. In spare parts, only on the website, it's all too easy to give away our private information, and companies that want that information make it even easier. An email arrives with three attached purchase orders. Would you be curious enough to open them? Not all virtual private networks are secure, according to a report from TechPro Research. And doubtless you already hold robocallers in low esteem. Now there's another good reason to dislike them. Microsoft has essentially locked up the office suite market. But is it the right choice for you? After all, there are other options, and some of them are free. Is there a good reason to keep paying Microsoft for a word processor, a spreadsheet, a presentation program, a page layout application, and a database manager? As an official old guy, I remember when there were dozens of word processor programs. Electric Pencil, Ami Pro, Xyrite, Star Office Writer, WordStar, WordPerfect, Multimate, Lotus Script, lots more. And there were many, many spreadsheet programs. VisiCalc was first, but followed by Lotus 123, Multiplan, Quattro Pro, Lotus Symphony, SuperCalc, and others. You'll see some pictures of some of those old programs on the TechBiter Worldwide website. There were no suites back then. Users just found the word processor that best suited their needs, the spreadsheet application they liked, a suitable email program, and a database manager if they needed one. It wasn't uncommon for someone to use Xyrite with Lotus 123 or Multimate with Quattro Pro. But every program had a different interface. Keystrokes varied. What might save a document in one application would close another application without saving. This was not an ideal situation. Too many applications, so all of them could not survive. There had to be winners and losers. Eventually, the word processor field narrowed to WordStar, WordPerfect, and an upstart from Microsoft called Word. The same was true for the other applications, so the next logical step was for companies to begin bundling applications. By using a bit of misdirection, also known as outright lies, Microsoft convinced WordPerfect to develop for OS2 that was being built jointly by Microsoft and IBM. So when Microsoft eventually made it very clear that Windows would supplant OS2, that left WordPerfect in a distant second-place position from which it never recovered. 
The Corel Corporation's Draw application was the best graphics program at the time. Corel acquired the already mortally wounded Ventura publisher and then moved to create a full office suite by acquiring WordStar, Quattro Pro, and the Paradox database manager. WordStar was eventually discarded when WordPerfect became available and Corel acquired it. So now there are maybe half a dozen contenders in the office suite market. Microsoft, with Outlook, OneDrive, Word, Excel, PowerPoint, OneNote, Skype, Publisher, and Access. Corel, with WordPerfect, Quattro Pro, and Presentations. Paradox, available only in the professional package. Then there are open-source applications like OpenOffice and LibreOffice with Writer, Calc, Base, Math, Draw, and Impress. And, of course, the cloud-based services like Google Docs or Zoho Office. So what's the right choice? Well, probably the overarching decision is between free and paid options. There is no question that OpenOffice and LibreOffice are sufficient for most users. But Microsoft includes an email application, a task manager, and online storage that open source applications lack. Nonetheless, Microsoft should be very nervous about these open source applications, and clearly the company is. For $100 per year, Office 365 users have access to all of the applications on their computers and via cloud-based services. They can also install the applications on up to five computers and mobile devices. And if they don't have five computers or mobile devices, they can share the annual subscription with four other users. In other words, $20 per year per computer. Although at $20 per computer per year, Microsoft's Office Suite isn't exactly free, it's also quite some distance from being unaffordable for most people. Even if you're a single user who needs the suite on just one computer, $8.25 per month is about the cost of a fast food meal and less than the cost of a six-pack of good beer. But those who need the Office Suite on just one computer can sign up for Office 365 Personal at $70 a year. That cuts the cost to less than $6 a month. Some occupations all but require Microsoft applications. Editors, for example. Although other applications can read and write files in Microsoft Word format, they don't always write a perfectly usable file. So if you're someone who's being paid to work on files that are going to be used by others, the safe bet is to stick with Microsoft. But there are other reasons to consider Microsoft. The Office suite includes features that the other suites don't have. Outlook, OneNote, Publisher, Sway, Lens, and Microsoft To-Do. OpenOffice and LibreOffice do include a database manager, but Corel's WordPerfect Office includes Paradox only in the pricier Pro version. Assuming the word processor, spreadsheet, and presentation applications all generally get the basics right, and they do. Are these extras of any value? Well, let's take a look at them. Although Thunderbird is a worthwhile email client, it doesn't integrate as well as Outlook does with other suite applications. Outlook also includes contact management, task management, and a calendar. It's an application that a lot of people love to hate, and with good reason, but it does play well with the rest of the suite applications, and it has a consistent look and feel. Sometimes that's important. None of the other suites has anything that compares with Microsoft OneNote. 
Evernote is available in free and paid versions, and it performs just as well as OneNote does if the sole task is capturing data. Evernote's formatting is primitive, though, and completely unpredictable. And there's Microsoft Publisher. Today's main word processors are all roughly capable of performing the design tasks that Publisher can. It is, after all, a most basic page layout application, and although it is capable of handling simple newsletters and internal documents, those who need more advanced capabilities will want Adobe InDesign. There's Microsoft Sway. Maybe you haven't heard of this one. It's a storytelling app that Microsoft positions as a way to create and share interactive presentations. It's similar to Adobe Spark, which has a free version and a more capable paid version that's part of the Creative Cloud package. There is no Mac version of Microsoft Sway. Microsoft To Do puzzles me a bit. Apparently, someone sees a difference between a task list, which is already included in Outlook, and a to-do list. The new app from Microsoft integrates with Outlook and has versions for iOS and Android, but not Mac OS. And Microsoft Lens seems like a solution in search of a problem. Adobe Scan is a much better choice for those who need to capture business cards and other printed data. Scan is included in Creative Cloud, of course, but it is also a free download for Android and iOS devices. And in fact, that's what makes it better than Lens. Microsoft Lens works on desktop computers and Microsoft mobile devices, but not Android or iOS, at least not yet. Microsoft is reported to be preparing versions for Android and iOS. So for office suites, no matter which one you choose, the cost is likely to be lower than what you paid 20 or 30 years ago for a series of individual programs. The equivalent of $100 in 1985 is more than $230 today. Many of today's paid applications use the subscription model, though, so the Microsoft Office Suite will cost you about $1,000 over a decade. Now, I should point out that there are some people who are still using the DOS version of WordPerfect 5.1 on their Windows 10 computers, 27 years after it was released. Back then, WordPerfect 5.1 for DOS was priced at $295, and that's the equivalent today of $690, a one-time payment. But of course, running WordPerfect 5.1 today is kind of like driving a 1991 Plymouth Laser, which, by the way, would have probably cost about eleven dollars to $14,000. Today's office suites, even the free ones, have many more features than what anybody offered, or even contemplated, back in 1991. In short circuits, let's consider how not to install a virus. It's easy to assume that an antivirus program is sufficient to protect the computer from malware. Although protective measures are easy and necessary, they are not sufficient. Trust nothing is a good philosophy, so let's consider how to implement it. Before installing anything, consider where it came from. If you are just minding your own business and a message that offers to install an application or an update pops up, beware, it might be okay, but it might not. 
Some applications automatically offer or install updates. These are all okay. UltraEdit, for example, a text editor, will offer updates for the duration of the license when the program is running. The notice appears in the UltraEdit menu and the user is responsible for actually approving the update. Adobe and other vendors have that kind of functionality built in too. When an Adobe app has an update, the Creative Cloud Manager displays an alert. These kinds of updates can be considered safe and installed without any further investigation. Messages that pop up when you're using a browser, though, are something else entirely. In virtually every case, these alerts are bogus and, at best, will install an application you don't want or need. But they also may attempt to install malware that will capture and exfiltrate information from the computer or encrypt the files to hold them for ransom. If you're lucky, the computer's antivirus application will recognize the malware for what it is, but antivirus applications are not perfect. They do miss some things. So maybe you downloaded an application that you'd like to install. Before you install it, it's a good idea to run through a little checklist. Some applications come with MD5 checksums. The checksum is calculated by the software publisher and comparing the checksum of the file you have with the checksum provided by the publisher can confirm with virtual certainty whether the file has been changed. It is possible for a modified file to present the same checksum as that determined by the publisher, but the probability is so small that you can safely ignore it. It's easy enough to check a checksum on either a Windows computer or a Mac OS computer. There's a description of how to do this on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Once you calculate the checksum from the downloaded application, compare it to the checksum provided by the publisher. If the returned values are identical to those provided by the publisher, the downloaded file can presume to be unchanged from what the publisher provided. In other words, no malware has been injected into it. Next, I would scan the file. Have your antivirus program take a look at it. That's a good start, but it is, after all, only one opinion. You can get a second, third, and all the way up to 64th opinion from VirusTotal. There is a link to VirusTotal on the TechBiter Worldwide website. Find the file you want to check and point the VirusTotal website to it. In less than a minute, you'll have the results from 64 antivirus applications. And my thanks to older geek Rick Rouse for that tip. I've written about Rick previously because he has a very helpful website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. He has a presence on Facebook, too. And you'll find a link to that on the TechBiter Worldwide website. And finally, before you install that file, do employ the wetware. No matter how many scans and tests you've used, the most important wear is the wetware. That's, as you heard me say before, the stuff between your ears. Before installing something, fire up the wetware and run a few more processes. Where did the file come from? If you want to install a file from Adobe, make sure it came from adobe.com. Second, did you seek out the file or was it presented to you by a pop-up? If it was a pop-up, remember what I said earlier, probably a phony. And third, did Microsoft or Adobe or your bank call or email to say there's a problem with your computer and you have to download something and install it? If so, stop immediately. It is a fraud. No question, it's a fraud. Keep in mind that backup will help recover from a malware attack, but the best recovery operation is the one you don't need to perform.
As we learned last week, Mac OS computers aren't as secure as some users would like to think they are. That's also true for Linux computers, though. Linux has robust protective systems, though, because the vast majority of Linux systems run the vast majority of the Internet. Nearly any website you visit, including the TechBiter Worldwide website, lives on a Linux machine, and crooks are constantly attacking web servers. If you're using a Linux-based operating system for your desktop computer, you are not protected simply because it's Linux. This is mainly the result of an increase in web-based attacks that really don't care what operating system is on the potential victim's computer. A report by the Japan Computer Emergency Response Team Coordination Center, or JPCERT, says WellMess is a type of malware programmed in the Go programming language and cross-compiled to make it compatible with both Linux and Windows. Also known as Golang, Go is the programming language created by Google in 2009. JPCERT says the malware files are larger than most because Golang executable files include required libraries. The WellMess files are larger than 3 megabytes. When the malware is running on Windows or Linux, it communicates with a command and control server and then performs functions based on the commands sent back from the server. So far, there is not a Mac version, but Windows users may also encounter a version developed in .NET framework. So if you're a Linux user, you should install an antivirus application if you don't already have one. ClamAV is an open-source app created by Cisco's Talos Intelligence team. It's available for nearly all of the primary Linux distributions. ClamAV is a command-line tool, though, that requires a separate front-end component if you want to create a graphical user interface. The options for that include ClamTK and ClamAV GUI. Spare parts is kind of GUI, and it's only on the website. This week, be sure to check out these stories. It's all too easy to give away our private information, and companies that want that information make it even easier. An email arrives with three attached purchase orders. Would you be curious enough to open them? Not all virtual private networks are secure, according to a report from TechPro Research. Doubtless, you already hold robocallers in low esteem, and now there's another good reason to dislike them. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.